Welcome to the Top of the Pile podcast, where you'll find some of the most interesting authors in conversation about everything from their lives, their books, and their big ideas. From health, science, and true crime, to fiction, history, and romance, we'll bring you fascinating conversations about subjects you never even knew about, and some that you do. You can also get more bookish recommendations by subscribing to the Top of the Pile newsletter. Just visit simonandschuster.com.au to join our mailing list. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Hi there, my name's Jamie. I've got with me today Chris Carter, a best-selling crime thriller author based in the UK who's written nine novels since 2009. Those books have included the likes of An Evil Mind, The Death Sculptor, The Executioner, The Crucifix Killer, and last year's international bestseller, The Caller. Chris has worked as a criminal psychologist for several years before moving to LA, where he swapped the suits and briefcases for ripped jeans, bandanas and electric guitar. And he's now a full-time writer living in London, and his new addictive, gripping, gruesome thriller, Gallery of the Dead, is out from the 1st of March. Chris, welcome. Um, Hi, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. So, I just thought we'd kick off, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about the book's plot, give us a bit of background, without giving too much away, of course, but what what can the reader expect from the Gallery of the Dead? Well, the the main difference between Gallery of the Dead and and the previous books is that, in all the previous books, um, Hunter, who is is my main detective, Robert Hunter, he works for the LAPD. So all the other cases are based inside Los Angeles. And the reason for that is because there's a jurisdiction thing, and, and, and the police, the Los Angeles police, can only act on crimes committed inside the city of Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, if any if any crime in the United States um, crosses borders or even go, goes outside the city, then you can bring the sheriff's one, the sheriff's um, office into it. But if it crosses state borders, then it becomes a federal case. And the only the only um, force that can um, act on federal case is the federal police, which is the FBI, the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. So in this case, it's the first time ever in all the nine books that there is a crime that actually the, the killer has crossed his border. So so by the time he kills in, in Los Angeles, it's, it's not his first murder. And I'm not, I'm not going to, you know... <laughs> review a lot but, but, but the main difference is that this time the the fbi comes to los angeles and asks hunter not only hunter but his partner carlos garcia to to help in a joint investigation because they just they've been after this guy for for, for months and they don't have a clue <laughs> or what's going on so that is the main difference so hunter and garcia now join forces with two agents of the fbi and then they start traveling america and going going after this this killer who his main thing is that most of his crimes they look like if it was a work of art, so and that's the the the, the reason for the name of the book. So it's like as it says on the title on on the the call line on the book. Um, for some killers, um, killing is much more than just murdering; it's like an art form. Yeah, I thought that was an absolutely fascinating concept to get to grips with as a reader, and you really don't pull any punches. I mean, the the, the very first, the beginning is is very shocking, and it's something that I've noticed in a couple of your books is that you like to almost sort of throw the reader in at the deep end a bit um, with having a sort of th- this very shocking murder scene almost immediately, I'd say, what was it, three chapters in. So is that something that you like to do with your readers is just to sort of immediately immerse them in this new realm of this new serial killer? Yeah, you, you start off right from the first book. It's something I like to do for, for several reasons. Um, 
it, it's what I do when I read books. Um, I don't I don't read a lot of books. I'm one of those authors that when I'm writing, I I, I can't read something just like. It, it, it gets in the middle, and because it takes them such a long time to finish a book, I mean, eight months. I know authors um, do it a lot faster, but it takes them such a long time. So I don't read a lot. So when I read, it's like my time is is precious to me. So um, I give any book that I pick up about I don't know fifty pages to grab my attention and 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 make me want to carry on reading the book. If not, I actually put the book down and move to another one. I don't spend my time reading something that did not catch me. And and I always had that in mind. And when I wrote my first novel, I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't supposed to write a novel, so I just decided, um, I didn't even have a plot in my head. I just said, okay, I'm gonna try to write a first chapter for a crime thriller um, without knowing what the story was. So I, I just try to think, what would be a good opener for, for a crime book. That's what I did. So it came from there. So every time I, I start a novel, I, I need to start with something that's going to grab the, the, the reader because I always assume people will read books the way I do. We, we usually do that. We usually take everybody's opinion like if it was ours. So I was like, if, if I do that, if I'm the one kind of guy that will read a book, and if the book doesn't grab my attention within like five chapters, I put the book away. There are probably a lot of other people out there that do the same. So I try to get the reader into the story straight away. I don't set moods or anything. I just start with the story. It's like, this is, what, <laughs> this is what's happening. And then, and because that's the, the, the whole process of the entire book, if they don't like the, for the beginning of the book, they probably won't like the book. But if they like the beginning of the book, it means that they'll like the story because the story will follow on with the same pace as the beginning. So I always try to open the book in a way that will grab people's attention, yes. Well, it certainly does that in the Gallery of the Dead. Good Lord, it does that. So, uh, so you've mentioned there that you uh, you don't tend to sort of have a, a, the entire plot mapped out before you start writing, or even as you've sort of begun the book. So, is that something that you did for the in your later books as well? So, including this one, where the plot does get much more complicated, as you say, it crosses state boundaries, and the yeah. FBI gets involved, and so on. Was it the same with this one? Yeah, I think every author writes in a different way. People have, you know, whatever works for them, that's how they do it. I know authors that have to blend the entire story in notes before writing. Um, I, I can do that. That's why I would be a horrible chess player because I cannot think like <laughs> three moves ahead, you know. I go chapter by chapter. So everything I need to start writing a book is like, it's like a one-line or two-line plot idea. And then I sit down and start writing. And, and by that time, I don't know anything. I don't know who the killer is going to be. Um, but the two things that I need to, to sort of know before I start is, is the reason why the killer is killing. Because my books are not only like um, a who done it, but it's a why done it. Because, it's, because I come from a psychological um, uh, profile background, you know, criminal psychology background. I, all my books have a lot of criminal psychology in them. And, and what I mean by that is I try to explain what makes the killer do what, that, what, what he's doing. Because a lot of people, is in, they're interested in, in that. They're interested in understanding the words of the mind and when, why would people do um, such acts of cruelty. And I always tell people, um, for example, if you get a, um, a homeless person on the street, if you could backtrack this guy's life day by day, you will find exactly the day that he broke. You would go, that was it, that was what broke him, or that was the last straw. And if you carry on backtracking from when you find what broke him, you see the accumulation 
of what made him break. Because nobody breaks just one thing. The same thing with killers. They don't wake up one day and just go, you know what, I'm going to start killing people today. That, that's not how it happens. It's an accumulation of, of pressure in this person's head or, and problems that he's been facing. I don't know, being bullied since he was a kid, being treated like... There are a whole bunch of things that can accumulate in this person's head. And then suddenly there's one last straw and that's it. That's when he breaks. So I try to do that um, with every book. So I need to know that reason in my head before I start writing. But I just need like a, a one-line plot. For example, my second novel, The Executioner, everything I had in my head before I started writing was the idea for the story was like a killer who kills his victims with their victim's fears. So he figures out what the victim is scared of. So if the victim is scared of spiders, he kills them with spiders. If the victim is scared of um, altitude and vertigo, he throws them from a, from a high building. So that's everything I had in my head. It's just a killer who kills his victims, finding out what the victim's um, fears are. And I sat down and started writing. That's, that's how I do it with every book. And it was the same thing with this book. Well, I had the idea to do the thing with, with art and art form artists and everything. And then I just said, I'm sorry, right. And the idea for the FBI didn't come into a few chapters in, which is funny because it then became the main thing of the book is that the main difference uh, um, from this, uh, this book and, and the other ones I said is because Hunter's not with the FBI. But that idea, it wasn't in my head when I started writing. It came after several chapters like, you know what, I'm going to bring the FBI into this. And that's how it works in my head. I know that. A lot of writers don't do that. They, they think it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's very difficult. And it is, because sometimes I, I shoot myself in the foot a lot by doing this, because because I don't plan ahead. I, I usually get to a point where I go, okay, what do I do now? Like, where do I go from here? Um, and that happens in every single book, especially in this last one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, but uh, but you've mentioned just there your... Um your past as a criminal psychologist. I just wanted to explore that a little bit more. You've you said that you like to get into these uh, sort of the criminals' heads and and give it, give it more of a sort of reason as to why they do these horrendous things that they do to people and and their breaking points and so on. And so, would you say that you're? It's impossible, I suppose, not to be influenced with that, given what you're writing and your experience. But are the murders that you write and the killers that you write are they based on? either fact or real people or have you been slightly more flexible are you are you keen not to talk about things that you've actually no, seen no, or? I, it's 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 a big mix um because because of my my past profession being a criminal psychologist working with the police in america for so many years and i attended a lot of crime scenes i know i've seen a lot of horrible things and I, i've been there i work with the police i've interviewed so many so many criminals so for me when i'm writing it's it's pretty much impossible for me to try to um, describe a crime scene, even if it's a fictitious crime scene in, in, in one of my books. If I sit around and I close my eyes and say, okay, let me let me imagine a crime scene so I can put this down to paper. As soon as I close my eyes, my memory will automatically take me back to one of the crime scenes I've been. It's, it's impossible for me not to think of one of those because I've seen so many and I've been there. So... Um, Yes, I use a lot of things that they were there. I just get a little bit from reality, that, from my, my past profession. And then my twisted head twists it even more. And, and then I create a lot of things that, that come in my books. But um, I try to describe a crime scene as best as I can without you know, going overboard. I know a lot of people say that my crime scenes are very descriptive and everything. 
But there are things that, that, that it's hard to, to describe when you are in a crime scene. That, yeah, to me, it's almost impossible. Like, every crime scene has a specific smell that you just cannot put that down to paper. You have to be there. And there's, there's auras as well. There's a certain um, ambience in, in the place. Like, if you walk into a crime scene where there's been, like, multiple homicides or, or there were, like, kids involved or some of that, you don't even have to see the bodies. As you walk through the space or the house or whatever that the crime has been committed, you feel it in the air. There's something there that makes you, like, stop at the door, and you feel this thing running through you, and you go, whoa, this is it's not a good vibe in here um, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's very, very difficult for me to try to describe any crime scene or talk about any any criminals or any murders without having a lot of flashbacks to things I've seen, um, people I've talked to, things I've studied. So it's a big combination in between reality and, and fiction. So, yeah, you add the, the crazy reality that I used to live in together with my crazy imagination, then you get you get all my books come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is... Uh... I mean, it's an intensely chilling thought, isn't it? The idea that you could walk into a crime scene and it would just have this this vibe. You wouldn't have to see any bodies. You could just feel that something's gone wrong there. Yeah, there, there's some some of them are like that. You know, some of them, it's just, you can just, it's almost like you can feel the evil inside. You know, it, it depends where you are. And I, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I can I can guarantee, you know, the the... the the police officers, the detectives, or the FBI agents who walked into uh, now Jeffrey Dahmer like apartment, right? They didn't even have to open the fridge. They 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 fell. There's something. There's always something, you know. It's it's just weird. It's, and it's so difficult to to try to put that into paper and to try to describe. I tried the best that I can, but it's very difficult. So I think that's one one of the major differences when when people say that my crime scenes are are very vivid. It is, and, and it's not that. It's just because, to tell the truth, I'm actually toning it down a lot. But the main difference between myself and other authors um, is because I am actually toning down from my experience, which is I used to read police reports and be at crime scenes and talk to, to officers and everything and write police reports myself, which means that I'm trying to tone down, and those are extremely detailed. So I'm toning down from those. But most other authors didn't have the, the real experience I did. So when they imagine a crime scene, they are either imagining something that they've seen in a photograph or in a Hollywood film, or they just see it in their head. So they don't, they never really walked into a crime scene. So their description obviously is going to be a little bit lighter than mine because mine is, is completely based on what you see um, or the reality of it. And I think that's the thing when people say, oh, it, they're like they feel very violent. They're very vivid. They're like yeah, that's because if you walk into a crime scene one day, you feel exactly like that. So I think that's the main difference. It's just because mine are, are, are half based in reality than just um, fiction. And I completely agree with that. I think the the crime scenes that you describe are it, vivid. Is definitely the word I would go for. Intensely vivid descriptions. Um, and. Do you do you sometimes find then with your uh, with your background and as you say reading through pre- police reports which are so incredibly detailed and all that sort of procedure that goes around these murders do you, do you sometimes try to include that kind of slightly more technical background to these murder scenes or do you think it's better to sort of skip over it a little bit in fiction like well, how do you I I try some I think every every author writes um, about what they, they know more. I mean, for example, that's why my books have a lot more um, psychology in them and try to explain the side from 
from the killer side is why he's doing what he's doing or what um, led the, the, the killer to break and to go after people. Um, I, I explore that side more, but there's some other authors, like for example, uh, Patricia Cornwell, and she was a pathologist. So her books are a lot more based on the pathology, on the exams um, inside the morgue and the post-mortems and, and figuring out what happened with the body when they examined the, the inside of the body and the kind of injuries. And so each author um, works with whatever they understand more. Um, for example, John Connolly, he used to be a reporter, um, a police reporter. So he worked a lot with the police. So what he understands more is the, the procedure that the police works. So all his books are more based on the procedural side. You know, it's like how, what the police does, where do, where do they go, who do they investigate, and everything. So everybody explores what they like more. And when I started writing, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring in the side of the criminal psychology. And that's why I decided to, like, just because I'm not a little lazy, I decided to put two in one. Because usually um, a detective team will consult a criminal psychologist. So if I had to do that, then I had to create um, Hunter Garcia, who is his partner. And then I had to come up with a third character, which would be the, the, the criminal psychologist. Um, and then have sort of like a, a team of three walking. Um, I didn't want to do that because I was a little bit lazy. It's like, you know what, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to base Hunter a little bit on me and then bring, um, make Hunter an ex-criminal psychology, psychologist who became a detective. So now I got two characters in one. So that's what I, I, I do. So I, I use the technical side on the psychology um, end of it. Um, some authors will do the, the forensic side of this and some authors will do the procedural side of it. It just depends. So I don't really go too much into the forensic side because it's not my expertise. Um, I do put a little bit there, but then I got to research a lot more. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, well, uh, just to move on then to your to your lead character who you've just mentioned, so Robert Hunter, who is this? Um, he's the head of the LAPD's ultra violent crime unit. He works with his partner Carlos Garcia. Together, they've seen some truly horrific crimes over their over their time. Uh, and Hunter is this um, fascinating, highly intelligent. Uh, quite sort of introverted character who seems to be able to see things differently from others and what I wanted to know and, and what I'm sure you probably ask quite a lot certainly given your background is, is, is how autobiographical is he? Is it a mixture of different things or is, do you share a lot of tropes with Hunter do you think? Um, no, it, it's a mix, but obviously I think every author that writes um, a serious character, we we end up lending a lot of um, our traits, personality-wise and, and physical-wise as well, to, to the character, simply for one reason. It's a lot easier for us to write about what we know and about what we understand. So, for example, I suffer from insomnia, so I decided to make um, Hunter suffer from insomnia, simply because if I need to, to write a chapter about insomnia, he couldn't sleep, it's very easy for me to do that, because I live it you know I, I experience it almost every night um so it's very easy for me to write about that um i like scotch whiskey so does hunter again very easy for me to write about scotch whiskey because you know i i have a few at home i collect i i, I read a lot about it you know i try s several of them so um I, I i do that quite a lot um on the on the <laughs> on the personality side there are a few traits as well um, Hunter is a loner. I'm much more of a loner as well. 
Um, he skips two years in school. I did skip two years in school when I was um, in, in, in high school. So there, there are several things that, that we sort of like lend to our characters. It's like um, another example, um, Jack Reacher from Lee Child, right? Jack Reacher is six foot four in the books. Take a guess how tall uh, Lee Child is, six <laughs> foot four. So we always lend a lot of our traits to our um, characters simply because it's, it's easier for us to do that. But he's definitely not based on, on, on myself. And I never, I was never a detective. Um, I just helped the police when I was working with the DA's office. But um, a lot of people do think <laughs> that, that Hunter is based on myself. As you said, I do get asked that question a lot. And um, I've been doing a, door, a tour here in the UK. And I think every, every book sign and every talk I did, I asked that, the exact same question. Especially after they meet me, they go, he's based on you. And I was like, no, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well um, um, I'm sure you'll be asked it many more times as the as more books yeah. come out. But um, but no, so it's, it, what I find so interesting about Robert Hunter is the way that he is so analytical when he approaches crime scenes, and he seems to be able to unlock what perhaps others can't, or certainly quicker than others can, which is really evident in this book. Um, and the FBI and him sort of rub up against each other a little bit because he's so good at it. Um, but he also has seems to have this interest in killers and he's very good at understanding the drivers behind them and like you say he dips into the psychology quite a lot um and that is a fascinating angle for somebody like me who has obviously no background in that kind of thing learning what makes a killer's mind tick is an absolutely fascinating thing to read about and i was wondering whether you thought as a as an author that is a very important part of the killers in your books is is Giving them a, giving the reader an understanding of why it is they're doing what they do. Um, yes, to me, to me, it's important for for one reason. The the main thing um, I, I've said this on, on the Facebook lives and everything, but the the main difference I, I found when I moved from um, being a, a, a professional criminal psychologist and then writing books about it, and basically, so I'm talking about the difference between reality and fiction. The the main thing I learned is that. Um, fiction has to make sense and reality doesn't. Um, simply because the kind of crimes you see out there in real life and reality, the reasons behind them, most of them are just mind-boggling. There is no reason. People are killing each other out there for zero reason. I swear to God. And I've seen it happen. I've seen uh, people in a bar and someone was walking past and his elbow, you know, had the guy's bottle of blood, the bottle of blood splashed on the floor. The dude didn't even give the guy a chance to say, look, I'm sorry, I'll buy another butter bud. No, he took out a knife and knifed the guy right there, right? For a bottle of bud, you know, and, and, and it's things like that. Um, an example I, I give, there was a guy who I was interviewing, um, and he, he was a mass murderer. And then very quickly, the difference between mass murder and serial killer, according to the FBI, a serial killer is um, somebody who kills three or more victims in three or more um, separate locations with a gap in the middle. Uh, a cool-off cool period in the middle. That period could be a day, a week, a month, it doesn't matter. But he kills somebody, then takes a break, kills somebody again. And obviously he's got to use certain things that link each crime. So either use the same motive or the same arrangement or leaves the victim in the same, you know, or uh, in the same position, or is after a certain type of victim and everybody's blonde, everybody has a certain body type or something like that. So that's a serial kill. Um, a mass murder is somebody who kills three or more people in one single location. So this thing that you have seen in America all the time, somebody walking into a, a school machine gunning like 16 kids in, at once, that's a mass murderer, not a serial killer. 
So this guy was a mass murderer. He killed five people in one night. And the story was when I was interviewing him, he said that he was in a bar and he had an altercation um, with this guy. And then he just decided right there and then he's going to kill this guy, like, <laughs> as you do. Um, but instead of waiting for this guy to um, outside the bar, he did do that, but he, he didn't like confront the guy straight away. He followed this guy home. So the guy got home and he was closing the door. The, the killer put the, the foot in the door, stopped the, the door from closing, kicked the door in, into the guy's house and killed the guy, killed his wife, killed his daughter, his son, and the dog. So he kills everybody in the house, right? So I, when I was talking to him, I was like, look, I understand you, you had this altercation with this person and you decided to kill him, but why did you kill the entire family? You know, why did you go back to the guy's house and kill the family? And I swear to God, he, he shrugged, right? And it was like, no, no remorse whatsoever. He, so he just said, they was home. That's what he said. So he killed five people or four people because they were home, you know. Um, and if I write a book and I write a story like that in the book and I end the story with that ending, um, I close it. Readers are going to read it and go, what? And throw the book away. My editor is going to go, no, you can't do that. And even my agent is going to go, you can't do that. So readers expect a plausible reason for what you're doing, for, for the fiction thing. Right? You can give the kind of reasons that happen every day out there. So, because readers want to understand, they want to know why somebody could do something so atrocious, right? And that's the main difference. I can't really use the, the kind of reasons they're out there. You know, people killing each other for, for nothing, really. You know, I know uh, I come from a country where there's a lot of murder and everything, a lot of murder for money. And people will kill each other in Brazil, like for the equivalent to like, I don't know, $2? Um, even less. I've seen it happen for even less. So it's things like that. You can't put a reason like that in a book because readers just, they, they said, no, this is ridiculous. No, they, they'll throw the book away. So I do think it's important for you to, to show them that, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people that, that, that break and there are a lot of people that commit stuff, but there are reasons. Some people have reasons behind it. And obviously, <laughs> it's fiction. And, and the reason I'm writing is to entertain. So obviously there has to be a reason at the end. I'm not trying to pass on a message or to show, oh, this happens. I'm just trying to entertain. But the best entertainment is when you actually understand the reasons. And at the end you go, oh, okay, I don't agree with it, but I get it. I know why, they, why, I know why this happened. So that's what I try to do in every book, yes. Yeah, and that's that's a really fascinating angle for this, this most recent novel, Gallery of the Dead, is the understanding as you sort of work well you follow the detective's line of reasoning as they try and work out what it is he's doing it's a really interesting turn when you do eventually work it out um but just to move on then to the settings um that you usually use for your novels as, as we've said before this is this goes more national but you tend to start at least in an la setting why is it that this city particularly uh, why what is it that inspires you most about this city why do you like to sort of have almost all of your murders happening in this place what is it about LA that it's, intrigues you so much well I, I lived in LA for many years but, well the, to start the main reason why my books are based in America and not UK even though I live in the UK is because I work with the police in America so I understand their procedure better than over here and they're completely different procedures so if I had to write books about um, crimes happening in the UK then I'll have to you know, research a lot and find out the way the, the, the police works here. And as I said at the beginning, I am a little lazy. So it's like, you know what, I already know the American procedure. I work with the police many years. I know how they work. I'm going to use it there. So that's point one. Two, 
Los Angeles, one, I lived there, so I knew sort of the, 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 the area. And when I started writing, um, Google Earth and Google Maps was, they, they weren't really like as big as they are now. So um, obviously I, I use my memory a lot, you know. So as you see, the, the first books are all based on the areas that I used to live in and I used to walk around because I remember the areas, so I know the bars, I know where to go. And then Google Earth and, and Google Maps kicked in, and then now I could research a little bit more outside, so I, can, I could describe and talk about bars and locations that I have never really been in L.A., but they are there. They all exist. Every location I put in my books, they actually exist. Um, and then the, the third reason, which is, is a huge reason, because L.A. is such a diverse city, and you can get everything in L.A. You can get the superstars, like you can all the actors live there, um, a lot of musicians live there, and they're super rich, right? And if you go like three miles down the road, if you go from Bel Air to Compton, you know, and, and, and Bel Air is not at least a, a mile and a half from Compton, Compton is literally, a whole, not even the police goes there. It's, it's a horrible place. There's a lot of gangs. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of... So in the same city, you have this spectrum of things you can explore. You can have a crime happening with the super rich and famous, or you can have um, gang crimes, or you can have kidnappings. So to me, Los Angeles was, was this kind of crazy city. Um, and it is, um, it's getting better now. But um, I think it's the capital of America in bank robbery. Um, it used to be in murders. It's not anymore. I think Detroit took over now. Um, but there was a lot of crime happening every day um, when, I, when I lived there. Um, and he gave me that spectrum. I could, if I wanted to, to write a crime about a superstar, like somebody who was you know, a Hollywood star. So that was the, the, the three main reasons. One, because I knew the American procedure. Two, when I started um, writing, I was like, okay, the two places I lived the most in America was either Detroit or L.A. And, <laughs> you know, because L.A. appears so much more in, in films and you talk about Hollywood and everything, I was like, I think for readers, L.A. would have a, a bigger appeal than Detroit. So I decided to stick with L.A. And, and the third reason is because it's, it's just such a diverse city and you can get everything in there. So that, that's pretty much the three reasons why I chose to, to base everything in Los Angeles. All right. Um, and just to move on a little bit, uh, just onto the, the themes of your books or the things that run through all of them, other than this L.A. setting that you've just discussed, is this dark, uh, the sort of darker and more shocking violent crime scenes that's that's a real hallmark i think of of your books is 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 this sort of completely unrestrained and graphically described violence towards the victims and i know i'm i'm i'm, I'm sure if even though it's a disturbing thought that some of it might be based on truth but then is it also something that you like to employ in order to get the readers um just to really really shock the reader is that is that a sort of tactic that you like to employ it's not it's not really to, to shock the, the, the reader. I mean, I, I know it is shocking, but I don't do it to shock the reader. I do it because it's more interesting. And, and as I said, at the end of the day, my books are just entertainment. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to, to send a message out there and anything. I just write books for entertainment. I like the stories and I, like, I write stories that I would like to read. And um, in none of my books so far, I, I've never killed anybody by a shot, by using a gun or by using a knife, simply because that happens almost every day, and you see it in the newspaper, and it's not interesting enough. Um, so a lot of, I mean, <laughs> to, to, tell, to tell the truth, what, the, the competition out there with all, uh, you know, other crime monsters is so huge. There's so many books out there. That I remember this from, from the first book when I was writing, and I told 
this guy that I was writing a book, and he said, oh, it's a book about it. And I was like, oh, it's the fact of chasing serial killers and everything. And he said to me, he said, well, there's so many books out there about that. And he asked me, what sets your book aside? What makes you think you're going to get a publishing deal if you're writing a type of story that there's so many out there? What makes your story different from others? And I didn't have an answer. I was like, I don't know, actually. I don't know why my stories are different. And then... Um, one thing I've always done, again, from the beginning, is like I try to to give the reader something that they've probably never seen or they're probably not used to. It's like if you if you start a book with somebody, you know, walking into a house and, and shooting somebody dead, it's like okay, that's that's interesting enough, but you've seen that. And then, but if you start a book with somebody that comes inside and then hangs somebody upside down and waits and allows that person to die, and then you describe what happens inside the body when you hang somebody upside down. And why did that person die from that? Somebody who's reading the book goes, wow, this is a lot interesting. And I never knew that. And we almost have the time we learn something that we didn't know. We find that interesting. It doesn't matter if it's about crime or about anything. I mean, I was watching um, TV with my girlfriend one of these days, and I don't actually remember what it was, but this thing came out, and, and, and they explained. And we both looked at each other and said, wow, I never knew that. And then you carry on watching the program um, simply because it gave us something that we didn't know. Um, and, and I know that from psychology, that, that people are curious by nature. Us humans, we're curious by nature. And if you, you, you tell people something that they didn't know before, it, it just it awakens their interest on in something. So I try to do that with my books. Because at the end of the day, as I said, it's entertainment, right? And there's so there's so much out there. There's so many books out there. There's, you know, and I want them to read the book and like it at the end and go, you know what? I want to re- read another book um, from Chris because that story is very interesting. There are a whole bunch of things in there that I didn't know. And a lot of people, they read my books and then they go and they check it on the internet and then I get a mail going, that thing is true. I was like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> that's, that's why we research so much. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I try to do. I try, I try to make it interesting. And I, I, the, 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 I know that it, it's, it looks like it's, it's shocking. I mean, it is shocking, but that is not the intention. The intention is to make it interesting. It just so happens that a lot of things that people find it interesting, they're also shocking at the same time. And I couldn't agree with that more. I think even though the the crime scenes I did find is a bit of a the come as a bit of a shock, and they are quite gruesome, but they are absolutely fascinating. You can't help but read on to find out more about why it's happened and and how and so on. Um, I get that a lot. I get that people that, that they will read and they go, I, I need, I have to put the book down because it was just like, and, but they'll put the book down, but then it's like within five minutes, they need to go back because it's like, okay, it's shocking, but I still need to find out what's going on. So they go back and I got loads of me like that. The people said, your books are like that. It's like, I start reading and then it's sort of like, I get to a point they go, oh, no, 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 I can't handle it. And then they put the book down, but then they say, in five minutes, I'm back to the book because I need to read on and find out. So yes. That's, that's exactly how I was approaching it. That's <laughs> uncanny. Um, but Chris, just to, just to wrap up, then I've just got a final question for you. And you, you have a, a huge, huge group of fans worldwide who are fascinated by your books and absolutely love your writing. And just for them, really, I just wanted to ask you, what's next for your tenth book? Have you what have you got in store? Are there any secrets you can divulge? Yeah, um, that's the thing. I can't really review because. <laughs> the ending of Gallery of the Dead gives the beginning of the next book. So there is a next book in coming, but I'm not going to, because a lot of people, I got so many emails now that people have already finished the book. 
and then and then they go, I can't believe that this is happening. So this is actually the first book that I actually finish um, giving a hint of what's coming next. All the other books just finish the story and that's it. But this one I finish with a hint of what's coming. Um, so that's why I can review because um, the people who've been following the series, actually I've got emails from even people who haven't been following the series and asking me a question. I was like, look, unfortunately I'm going to have to refer you to this. Um, again, I'm not revealing. But yeah, it's at the end of Gallery of the Dead. Who, um, once you get there, everybody will know pretty much what's in store for the next book. <laughs> <laughs> and what better reason to read Gallery of the Dead than to set you up as well for the next one? It's a fantastic read, Chris. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Really appreciate it. It's been fascinating. Thank you so much.